You are listening to a message that was given at Living Word Chapel, Oracle, Arizona. It is our hope and prayer that God will use this message to speak to you and enrich your life. For more information, visit lwcoracle.org. Sometimes it seems like our world is spinning out of control. We went to a restaurant this week in Chili's right down the road, and they rearranged the whole interior. I liked it because I love change, but it freaks some people out. See, our world is constantly changing, and, and then you add the fact that technology is making change even more constant. How many, are you, how many of you are happy you got an iPhone 5? Right? Well, you can be happy for a couple more months because there's an iPhone 6 coming. How many of you remember unfolding an actual paper map to find your way on a trip? That reminds me of Benny Silva. Benny Silva loves his paper maps. How many of you remember using a rotary dial-up telephone? Some of the young people are freaking out, huh? Did you ever have to adjust a TV antenna? Don't move. Stay right there. It's a good part, right? Even what seemed like just yesterday has changed. I remember that we used to take pictures of our kids growing up, babies. And then you'd have to go and get the film developed. And Shauna and I were notorious for taking a lot of pictures. And we'd have film all in our glove box for years. I remember having to pop in a VHS tape into a VCR. How many of us remember having to untangle the telephone cord? I mean, you were really something if you could go from one room to another room with that long cord. I'm dating some of us, huh? How about using a floppy disk? And even more than that, how about looking something up in an encyclopedia? The actual book. You go into my office and there's a bookshelf and there's books, books, books. Pastor Bob has acquired books. And now you can get onto one smart device and find everything. Some of us even listen to cassette tapes. Some of us even listen to eight-track tapes. Remember this? And then you lick the top of it. And then you put that matchbox to make sure it... And even more freakish than that, there were the vinyl records. Remember that? I think they're making a comeback. Now, everything that I've listed, it had a purpose. And everyone understood what these things were. But somewhere, somehow, things change. Look at your neighbor and say, things change. Yeah. And the same thing happens in human life. 
Uh, if we look back when we were kids and there was such simplicity, you know, when we dismiss the children, they're so carefree, want to run out. All they're worried about is that PJ won't tell them don't run out of the building. Right? Children, it, everything's about fun. And then we begin to progress in life and we go into learning and we go into getting an education. And there's one reason that we go into learning and getting an education. And the reason for that is because we all want to be able to get a job. Amen? We all want to get ahead. You want to find that place that's going to set you up. And through all these transitions, better known as change, you find out it's constant. And then you become a senior. And you wonder what happened. And you realize it's change. Your hair begins to change, if you have any. Your body begins to change. It starts falling in places. And there's two, there's two ways that we can look at this change. We can look at change as if it has no purpose. How many of you remember the 80s rock and roll group Bon Jovi? They had a song that they sang. It was, the more things change. And the, the lyrics went like this. I'm not going to sing it for you, but the more things change the more they stay the same. And he probably would go like this. <laughs> right? Didn't they do kind of screaming? The more things change, the more they stay the same. The same sunrise, it's just another day. If you hang in long enough, they say you're coming back. Just take a look. We're living proof, and baby, that's a fact. You know, the more things change, the more they stay the same. The more things change, the more they stay the same. And many take the approach of this song, life is just life, and change has no meaning because it all remains the what? Same. And yet we can look at change and we can believe that God is in control. And there's a purpose and there's a plan in this changing world. Amen? I believe the Bible teaches us that it's possible to live life with purpose, with meaning, and with significance. When Jesus came on the scene, he ushered in a new kingdom, and with it, a new purpose for his followers' lives. Can I tell you, those that follow Jesus, we live a purpose-driven life. Life. I should write a book and title it that. <laughs> I, want us to, I want us to go to Luke chapter 4 because that's what we saw in the, in the, in the clip. And it's Jesus' first sermon. And what it is, it's a declaration of his mission. Okay, but let's pray first. Thank you, Father. Father, we thank you for this first service. Thank you, Lord, for every person that's here. And more than anything, thank you, Lord, that you're here. When people gather in the name of Christ, you're in our midst. And so, Lord, as we open up your word, we, we pray that you'll speak to our hearts and to our minds. In fact, we make a choice right now to open up our hearts. 
and we open up our minds to receive all that you have for us, Lord God. And the things that I prepared as your messenger today, I pray that I will speak them very clearly, that I will speak them in a way, Lord God, that they will bring uh, an impact uh, as you have spoken to me as I prepared. I pray, Lord God, that you will speak to every person, every listener, and that we will all leave here today knowing that you are the anointed one, the Messiah, the chosen one, Lord Jesus. And because of that, we can trust you for everything in our lives. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. So in verse 16, in, in, in chapter Luke, verse 4, it says, Jesus, or it says he, but it's, it's signifying Jesus. Jesus went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. In other words, Jesus teaches us that it's important to meet with other believers. Amen? It was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, unrolling it. This is interesting. He found the place where it is written. That's very important. Underline that. Look at it. I mean, just put it on your, in your, in your, uh, in your uh, storage, in your memory storage. He found the place where it is written. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll... He gave it back to the attendant, and he sat down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. Why why were they fastened on him? Why was everyone so intrigued with him? Because he had already been doing miracles. They wanted to hear what he had to say. And then he says to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your midst. Or in your hearing. Now, what needs to be noted, and that many scholars agree, what Jesus read that day was not part of the scheduled reading for the synagogue worship, which is called the Haftorah. You see, those rabbis, they were given, they knew they had to follow a certain reading schedule. But the Bible says that Jesus found the place where it was written. In other words, he looked for some place that he was going to bring to them, and it was God the Father ordained. He did what no other rabbi had ever done. He changed the way the order of service went. He went outside of the box. And his announcement was much more than an announcement. It was a declaration. It was a declaration of a new and changed humanity. A kingdom of people where God was their ruler, where lives were changed, and where these individuals were going to become agents of change. I don't know if you know this, but when God comes into your life, there's a change that takes place. I don't know if you know this, but when God comes into our life... Through Christ, there is a change that takes place, and we bring change to our world. Amen? His announcement was very controversial because in declaring that he was the anointed one, 
He was declaring that he was the son of God. And when he said he's the son of God, it meant that he was Emmanuel, God with us. So when you were looking at Jesus, the reason they got so mad in that clip and the reason they got mad in the historical account is because Jesus said, I am the I am. I am the anointed one. I am the Messiah. And when he declared that, he says, I am God with man. That's huge. But in the text, what I love about it is that Jesus also gives us his mission. Have you guys ever had a mission statement? Have you ever heard of a mission statement? In the world, in jobs, they put a mission statement together for for these corporations. Can I tell you that God gives us a mission statement? You see, followers of Jesus don't have to wonder what our purpose is. We don't have to scratch our heads wondering, what, what am I supposed to do? What's life about? You don't have to worry why you've been put on this earth. Jesus intends for everyone who follows him to accept, and not only accept, but reflect his priorities and pursue his purpose. Beloved, can I, tell, can I just ask you a question? Are you ready to pursue the purposes of Christ? I believe you are. You wouldn't be here wanting to hear the things of God. So there's three things that I put together from this text that I, that I think will really help us. And the first thing that we have to do is we have to accept the mission. Isn't it funny that uh, um, Pastor Eric last week talked about mission? And how important it is for us to be mission-minded. We have to accept the mission. You see, when Jesus read these words from the Isaiah scroll, those who heard, they understood because they were a Jewish audience. They understood that the words that he, that he read applied to the Messiah. They also understood that the words that he read applied to the year of Jubilee. How many of you know what the year of Jubilee is? Raise your hand. Awesome. If for those I'm gonna, that don't, I'm going to explain it. First of all, let me say that, uh, that God, that first of all, the Jews had a custom that was ordained and given by God. And the first thing that was every seventh day of the week was a Sabbath. Sabbath was the day of rest. Was that for God or for man? It was for man, so we could rest. Amen? And then, after, and then not, he didn't stop there. Every seventh year, every seventh year, there was a Sabbath year. And, and that seventh year, they were supposed to rest the land. And people still do that today. If you work the land constantly, you don't let the nutrients come back, that land will be no good for nothing. So God gives us a formula so that you keep the land fertile. Amen? Does it make sense? But then, it didn't stop there. Every seventh year, every seventh year, every seventh year was the, the Sabbath for the rest of the land, but every seventh times seven, 49, seven times seven equals 49, every 50th year was called the year of Jubilee. And on the year of Jubilee, all the slaves were set free. 
Every 50th year, if, I mean, just think about it. If you're walk, working in the fields, if you're a slave, you're thinking, man, I only got 36 years left. <laughs> I only got 34 years left. Dude, we're almost there. All those who, whose poverty had forced them to sell their lands, they would receive them back on the 50th year. Those who had lost family members into slavery or into prison would be reunited with their loved ones because every 50th year, those that were in prison were released. That's why it was called the Jubilee. So when Jesus declared to his audience that day and to us today, he's simply saying that this is his mission because he's the anointed one. You see, what the law prescribed... And what Isaiah had prophesied, Jesus fulfilled. He came to bring good news to the poor. It was the kind of news that was supposed to have them dancing in the streets every 50 years. He came to bring broken families together, to bind up the brokenhearted and to heal the hurting. He came to free the slaves, to open the doors to those who live in darkness, to release the shackles that keep them bound, and to enable them to become what they could never be without him. Jesus came to announce and proclaim the year of Jubilee, but it was not just every 50 years. Hear me, beloved. Jesus came to proclaim a jubilee that was going to be worldwide and would be available every day of the year. It speaks good news to the poor today. It speaks liberty to the captives. It speaks healing to the brokenhearted. It speaks forgiveness to the guilty. Dolores came up here and she thought, how many of you don't, you don't want to raise your hands? How many of you don't want to come up because you feel guilty and you feel condemned? Jesus Christ came to set you free from guilt. Freedom from those who feel controlled. Um, release for those who feel trapped. How many people feel trapped in a world that puts so much pressure? Deliverance, joy, laughter. When is the last time that you laughed in God's joy. I spent a week laughing. Laughing. It was the greatest thing in the world. I laughed. I had a perm grin. You ever had a perm grin? Permanent grin for a week. My muscles were hurting from smiling and laughing. I'm not kidding you. We had a week where we just laughed and laughed and laughed. It's Jubilee. People of God should be laughing more. They should be more joyful. You should be the ones. You know, when we used to go to dances and everyone got crazy and you'd be laughing. Right? And everyone would be laughing. But here's the thing. When you walk with God, it's better. Because you're not captive anymore. You're not. I can still dance. I can still romance. With my wife. Amen. And, and so God brings this jubilee and he wants us to walk in this excitement. How many of us are walking in the things that Christ came to bring? You see, this was his mission. And beloved, it's ours too. 
Our mission is not merely to come to church for an hour or two a week. Our mission is to take joy and praise and worship and healing and fun out in public, out to the streets and share it with the world around you. When was the last time that people saw you laughing and joyful and excited about Jesus? The second thing that you have to move into so that you can walk in the mission. Amen? That's our mission. Someone say, that's our mission. The second thing, we have to adopt the method. We cannot miss what Jesus said in the synagogue in Nazareth because it has such a huge impact. I want you to think about something. There were many passages. There's some of you in here, you're Bible scholars. If you're, if you're in here and you study your Bible every day, look at me real quick. I'm talking to you. And I'm talking to everyone else, but I'm talking to you. Think about it. There are a lot of passages that Jesus could have picked out. This was his first sermon. You look at all the Gospels. This is the first time that he stood up to speak. That is recorded. He could, have, he could have gone to Isaiah 63 and he could have said, Who is this coming from Edom, from Basra, with his garment stained crimson? Who is this robed in splendor, striding forward in the greatness of his strength? It is I proclaiming victory, mighty to save. He could have started out with that scripture. He could have gone to Isaiah 42. And he could have said, he is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him and he will bring justice to the nations. He will not falter or be discouraged till he establishes justice on the earth. He could have chosen that. It's a wonderful picture of the Messiah. But he didn't choose these texts. Instead, he turned to Isaiah 61.1. And can I tell you why I think he did this? He did this because in this passage, the mission of Jesus makes it clear that people are his priority. Are you with me? What he declared is not that he, he knew he was the Christ. He knew he was the Messiah. I started reading Luke this weekend, and I saw where, where as a child, his mother and, and, and Joseph were looking for him all over the place. He's, and he was in the temple, and he says, don't you know that I have to be about my father's business? He knew who he was. But the people needed to know what he was about. And what he was about is he's about people. His mission is to change life. His mission is to come into your life and make you better. He wants to set the captives free. He wants to open the eyes of the blind. Have you ever been walking in this world without God? We're blind. You're bumping into circumstances. You're bumping into into doors that close. You're bumping into this and that. And you wonder, why is my life so messed up? And you might even say, why is my life so screwed up? It's because God is not the priority. Tell someone next to you, you are God's priority. You see, of all the passages that he could have chosen, he chose the one where it reveals that he has good news. He chose the one where he said he proclaims freedom, he brings healing. 
He releases prisoners and he meets people's needs. Can I tell you, beloved, that is the spirit of Christ. If you can testify to Jesus setting you free, raise your hand right now and say, that's me. I was poor and he came to me and he gave me good news. I was blind and he allowed for me to see. I was chained up in shackles and he broke those shackles and I'm walking free. Amen. That's what God does. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's doing that all the time. You know, the Bible says that a bruised reed he will not break and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. That means he's gentle. He didn't come to bring vengeance. He came to bring restoration. He came to bring purpose. He came to give us a new life and a new start. You know, the audience, the audience that were, that, that were listening to him, they listened and they were intently. And they, 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 they knew that the, 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 the Jewish audience, they were supposed to be a light to the Gentiles. But they didn't like the Gentiles. That audience, they didn't like the Samaritans. They didn't like the Romans. They didn't like the tax collectors. They didn't like the hoochie mamas. That wasn't in my notes. I added it. Hopefully that was Holy Spirit inspired. They didn't like women. They didn't treat women good. Amen? They didn't treat children good either. But Jesus did. His method was different. The kingdom he established and the new way of life he makes possible. I'm sorry, Bon Jovi fans. I'm sorry. I just don't believe things have to stay the same. Jesus Christ is able to bring some pretty amazing changes into our life. The purpose and calling that he intends for his followers is a new way of living. Beloved, can I tell you, God wants to change the way we live. And he, he continues to tweak. Amen. How many of you were tweaked this week? Not tweakers. How many of you were tweaking this week? They're going to say, what kind of a church is that? Bunch of tweakers for Jesus. There's a different kind of being tweaked. Amen. Boy, that can be taken wrong. For you on podcast, I mean it in a Jesus kind of tweaking, okay? So, so here's, here's the thing is that, that Jesus is continually changing our lives. He's continually working. And, and, and can I tell you that, that um, the purpose and calling that he intends for his follower, followers is a new way of living. One that is full of grace for everyone. It excludes no one. It spreads jubilee everywhere. Can I tell you, beloved, let this year, let this day, let this month, let this week begin to be joyful for you because you serve the king. Leave here today and laugh more. Leave here today and appreciate people more. His method and the method that he gives us is love. It's not arguing. How many of you want, are trying to argue people into the kingdom? It's not working. 
It's not ridicule. It's not my way is better than your way. No, it's his way that's good. It's not protest. It's love. It's to spread healing and hope and joy everywhere we go. Maybe that's why Mother Teresa said this, I alone cannot change the world, but I can cast a stone across the waters to create many ripples. How many lives were changed by this woman of God? Here's a question that we can ask ourselves. Are we casting stones of love that are causing ripples of change in the lives of others? You know, Mother Teresa, you know, I don't, I don't think she had a, a thousand followers on Twitter. I don't know. I don't think she, I don't even know if she had a Twitter account. In Calcutta, I don't know. She wasn't the most popular person as far as people are concerned, but she made a difference for the kingdom. Amen? And how did she do it? By loving people. She said, I'm going to cast a stone. I'm going to cast a stone in the water and let that ripple and affect other people. Can I tell you, beloved, we can do the same. Last thing. We need to apply the measurement. After Jesus announced his mission at the synagogue, something very interesting happened. You see, John the Baptist was in prison, and, and John the Baptist, he, he, here's John the Baptist. If you rewind, he saw Jesus coming before he baptized him, and he said, Look, the Lamb of God whom takes away the sins of the world. This is the one whom sandals I can't even unstrap. And now he's in prison. He's beginning to question. He's saying, I don't know if this is right. Look at what the Bible says. John the Baptist, he called for two of his disciples, and he sent them to the Lord to ask him, Are you the Messiah we have been expecting, or should we keep looking for someone else? He began to wonder. And John's two disciples found Jesus, and they said to him, John the Baptist sent us to ask, Are you the Messiah we've been expecting, or should we keep looking for someone else? And Jesus told John's disciples, he said this, he said, go back to John and tell him what you have seen and heard. Now look at what he says. Here's a measurement. The blind see... The lame walk, the lepers are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. What did Jesus tell John? He emphasized and he reinforced his mission statement. Are you with me? The Bible, and I I looked at this, the Bible doesn't tell us if John the Baptist was in the synagogue when Jesus read from Isaiah the first time. But he could have been, amen? He was a relative of Jesus. He, w- he might have been in the area, but, what, what, but when John asked, are you really the Messiah or do we keep looking? Jesus simply said, look at the measure of the Messiah, cousin John. The blind see, the lame walk, lepers are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached. Jesus is telling John, and beloved, he's telling us today, look at the measurement of Isaiah 61, and you tell me who I am. Beloved, if we look at the measurement of who the Messiah is and what he was going to do, Jesus is that Messiah. He's the one that came to change your life. 
He's the only one that can change your life. Because he fulfills it all. It speaks to me today. Because Jesus does not measure his followers by how many times we attend church. He doesn't measure you guys, beloved, by how many bumper stickers you have on your car that says you're a Christian. He measures a follower of Christ by this. Am I spreading healing? Am I offering hope? Do I walk in joy and bring jubilee to people and places? Are my family members, are they coming to join the Jubilee? How about my neighbors or my co-workers or my fellow students? Are they coming to join the Jubilee of Jesus Christ? Could we say, look at the fruit in my life. People's eyes are being opened. People are finding new strength, new health, new life, and new joy because I am following Christ Jesus my Lord. And he is working through me. Beloved, can I tell you something? He wants to work through every one of us to bring change, to bring jubilee, to bring a fiesta to people who need hope. <clears throat> Beloved, I'm praying that this is in me. I'm praying that this can be said of me. And I'm praying that it will be so in us. Can we bow our heads right now as I close? If Jubilee has not begun in you, if this fiesta and excitement has not begun in you, if the eyes have not been opened, if the good news has not been received, it can begin right now. It can begin right here. It can start with an open heart. And with a simple prayer. That prayer, something like this. God, I need you in my life. I want all that Jesus has come to give me. Because I am a sinner who needs and desires your complete forgiveness. I want the freedom you give. I need the mercy and grace you offer. I confess my sin to you and I bring my need to you as well. I turn away from all the sin of my past and I accept your sacrifice on the cross as payment for all the wrong things I've done. I ask you to come into my heart and to change me from the inside out. Lord, change me. Enable me by the Holy Spirit to follow you and to spread the influence of your kingdom from this moment on. Amen. This has been a message from Living Word Chapel. We hope that you've been blessed by it. Make sure you check out lwcoracle.org for more information.